Hello, my name is Jason King, and welcome to the Testimonies Podcast. The Testimonies were a series of councils written by Ellen G. White to the Seventh-day Adventist Church back in the 1800s. The goal of these podcasts is to discuss how what Ellen White wrote to the church back then is still relevant to the church today. In this podcast, we will be discussing the Age to Come theory, the Messenger Party, and the Millennium. Stay with me today because we have a lot to talk about in a short period of time. Before we um, begin on the section Opposers of Truth, I want to make a very quick, important announcement about the podcast coming up next week. We will be postponing the podcast on parental responsibility, which is the next section after Opposers of Truth. Instead, next week we will be discussing the section on the Messenger Party. After that, we will do the section on parental responsibility, and we'll get back on track. Today, I'm simply going to discuss how we respond to opposition in the church today and how Ellen White lifted up the church when there was opposition during her time. As you read Opposers of Truth from the testimonies, a lot of things come up immediately that do not make sense to the lay reader, such as myself. By lay reader, I simply mean someone who is not an Adventist historian, not an Ellen G. White expert. So we see the following terms jump off the pages right away, and we don't understand them as we're reading Opposers of Truth. For example, what is Ellen White talking about when she states, Stevenson and Hall of Wisconsin have sacrificed visions for the age to come? And lastly, who was the messenger party that Ellen White was referring to? So, in order to understand Opposers of Truth section from the testimonies, we need to understand the context. In 1853, Hiram Case and Charles Russell condemned a woman named Mrs. Dan Palmer for the unchristian way she was acting towards her neighbor. When Confronted, this woman denied that she had behaved the way that she had. Well, James and Ellen White came to visit the church that Case and Russell and this woman all were attending. And Ellen White received two visions regarding the issue. In the first vision, she observed that Miss Palmer had been treating her friend unkind, and she related this vision to Brother Case and Brother Russell. So, Case and Russell hear this, and they said, Thank you for giving us the message from the Lord, Ellen. Surely you are an inspired prophet um, of God, and he's communicating with you. Uh, we, we knew this woman was act- behaving the way that she was, and so I'm glad that your vision is confirming that. But then, Ellen White receives a second vision revealing to her how unkind and insensitive Brother Case and Brother Russell were to Sister Palmer, the one that had been treating her neighbor unkindly. So at this point, Brother Case and Brother Russell say Ellen White's visions are not reliable and they are utterly false. As a result, what they do is they begin publishing their ideas in a paper called The Messenger of Truth, and their movement becomes known as the Messenger Party. 
So although the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not formed as an organization at this point and doesn't even have the official name Seventh-day Adventist, you have people questioning the validity of Ellen G. White's visions very early. And if she confronts them with something going on that they do not agree with, then they turn against her. The Messenger Party starts in 1853. Now, let's jump to 1854. So, in 1854, there are two ministers, Stevenson and Hall, who are preaching the third angel's message. They're preaching the Bible truth, but they come across a theory called the age to come theory, which we will discuss shortly. So, Stevenson and Hall are convicted that Ellen G. White's visions are from God at first. But then they say, now wait a minute, do these visions fit with age-to-come theory? And if they don't, then they must not be true. So age-to-come theory is the idea that during the thousand years, while the righteous are reigning and governing up in heaven, there are still those down on earth who have a second chance to repent. This is not true. And it's nowhere in the Bible. I want to read some Bible text. Revelation 20 verses 4 through 6 says this, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So what do we learn from these verses? First, we learn that the people who rise and those who are those who did not worship the beast or its image. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the millennium. Verse 5 says, The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the final resurrection. I want to emphasize that the wicked do not come to life or raise from the dead because that is what the Bible says. There are some very, very well-meaning people and intelligent people who are saying things that you will not find anywhere in the Bible. There are two resurrections spoken of in the Bible, but it's for the only two classes of people left on earth. Those who are righteous and will be saved, and those who are unrighteous and will not be saved. There is no second chance. John 5, 28 and 29 says this, All who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil 
to the resurrection of condemnation. Those are the two resurrections. You have the resurrection of life, and you have the resurrection of condemnation, according to John 5, 28 and 29. Other Bible texts regarding the millennium is 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 and 8. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Psalm 68 verse 2 says, Let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Revelation 20 verse 5 said, The rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So brothers and sisters, God wins. God wins us back to him and he's and he wins his reputation back. God has always been loving and Satan is the one who got us into this mess and continues to deceive the world. I want to end with what Ellen White says about the millennium. In Story of Hope, page 114 and page 115, Ellen White says this, Confined alone to the earth, he will not have the privilege of ranging to other worlds to tempt and to annoy those who have fallen. During this time, Satan suffers extremely. Since his fall, his evil traits have been in constant use. But during these thousand years, he will be deprived of his power and left to reflect on the part he has acted since his fall and to look forward with trembling and terror to the dreadful future when he must suffer for all the evil that he has done and be punished for all the sins that he has caused to be committed. From the angels and from the redeemed saints came shouts of triumph like 10,000 musical instruments, because Satan would never again annoy and tempt them, and because the inhabitants of other worlds were delivered from his presence and his temptations. Jesus and the redeemed saints sat upon thrones, and the saints reigned as kings and priests unto God. Christ, in union with his people, judged the wicked dead, comparing their acts with the statue book, the word of God, and deciding every case according to the deeds done in the body. Then they allotted to the wicked the portion that they must suffer, according to their works, and it was written against their names in the book of death. Jesus and the saints also judged Satan and his angels. Satan's punishment would be far greater than that of those he had deceived. His suffering would so far exceed their sins as to bear no comparison with it. After all those whom he had deceived had perished, Satan was still to live on and suffer much longer. Thank you for joining with me today, friends. The message I want you to take is that God loves you. God wants you to make a decision for him today. There is no second chance. Now is the time to turn your heart toward God. The millennium is a fantastic time of being with Jesus and being up in heaven if we have made the right decision and made the decision for Jesus. Please 
Join me next week as we discuss the messengers of truth. Um, Let's close with prayer. Dear God, thank you for being with us today. Please help us to turn our hearts towards you. Help us to be kind. Help us to um, be led by the Holy Spirit. In your name, amen.